This is the Living Out Podcast, and I'm your host, Darren Steele. I help gay men explore the possibilities of living out the best of who they are. I share stories about social justice, LGBTQ issues, and personal growth as a path for personal evolution and to create a more humane world. Gather round. If it's cold where you are, maybe get yourself a warm, snuggly blanket and sit back in an easy chair or on the couch and get the fire going because Darren's going to tell you a story today, a very different start to today's episode. But I was reminded of something, a series of events, and I've always called this sort of my gay sitcom kind of a satirical dark beginning to what would become a very humorous and comedic uh, series that, you know, maybe I should actually turn this into a sitcom, but if I were ever to write a script, this would be the backstory, or at least this would be how the story would start and then lead into the bizarre and then end in the most wonderful and empowering way. So what am I doing giving you the theme of this story? Well, let's go back in time, really far back in time. I'm talking 1999, like literally days away from Y2K. Actually, it was, I think, in November, and I had recently moved to Toronto and had been living there for are still living in Toronto for a year and a half, I had moved with my boyfriend, who honestly I did not want to move with. I had been wonderfully accosted by this young man when I was still living in Ottawa who was just all over me. And at the time, I so needed the attention and the affections. And when I was given the offer to transfer within the company from uh, Pink Triangle Press in Ottawa to the Toronto head office, I jumped at the chance, but I was there in my head wondering, what do I do with this 19-year-old boyfriend? And I'm, what was I at the time, 31, 32, something like that? Well, he came with, and things just went from bad to worse, and uh, we sort of started getting into drugs together. And we went out a lot partying to the big circuit parties that were happening in, in at the time in Toronto, the big gay circuit parties. And I was fine with maybe going out once a month and maybe taking some ecstasy and just having a really good time. But then it became every weekend. And then my boyfriend wanted to go out like Friday and Saturday nights and get high. And I just couldn't do that. I had a career. I didn't do very well for days after going out until four or five o'clock in the morning and then not being able to sleep because I was still fucked out of my mind on ecstasy or acid or something. So things came to a head. Um, We broke up just before Halloween. And I remember some events around that time because I was in a lot of pain. I had horrible sciatica. I could barely sleep. And, um, my boyfriend had had some small surgery and was given Percocets, to which he became addicted as well. And I was taking those to try and deal with pain. And you can imagine 
we're living together, but we've broken up. Uh, he was going even further into the drug world. Uh, I was hearing about things he was doing. Then he disappeared for days, and I didn't know where the hell he was. And his mother called to speak to him, and I said, I don't know where he is. I He hasn't left a number or anything. You know, even though we've broken up, we're still living together. You'd think he would have given me, you know, he would have told me, I'm going to be gone for three days. You've got the house for yourself. Go fuck off kind of thing. You know, even in breaking up, you could be an asshole, but still be nice to the other person. Am I bitter? Um, but I think I had agreed uh, sometime earlier. He had said, you know, I, I, I need to borrow some money. I don't have any money. Because, of course, he didn't have a job either. Um, to go back to Ottawa to visit his family. And I think I said I could lend it to him. Well, I think he was gone for four days. He came back and I just said, you know, no, fuck off. I'm not giving you this money. That escalated into the most horrific. Um, it scares me to even think about it, how awful that situation was. The most upset and the most out of control I've ever been in my life. <clears throat> and, you know, thankfully he left. And I very quickly went and spoke with um, the management office where the building I was living in and said, I need to move ASAP. I either need to move out or I need to move to another unit. And since everything was in my name, as horrible as this may sound about me, it was a personal safety issue um, for both of us. And I was also concerned he was going to rob me because there were some things that had happened that brought up that potential. So this was in process and I was waiting for it to happen. And you can imagine, you know, whenever the two of us were in the apartment, it was horrifically uncomfortable. At the same time, my ex-boyfriend, Greg, of a couple years earlier, he and I were together for almost five years when we lived in Ottawa. And we had a really hard breakup. I broke up with him. According to him, I broke his heart. And I know I'm making it sound dramatic, but we all have different experiences with our relationships. And he hated me, just hated me, wouldn't talk to me. And communication stopped. And he moved to Toronto, I guess, about six months before I did. This wasn't planned. I wasn't following him. He had a transfer, and then I wound up getting a transfer. And I remember a couple times seeing him out at the bar. I'd be coming in, I'd be passing him somewhere, and the look, if looks could kill. And he was looking good. He was pumped up and everything. I found out later on that whenever he went to the gym and did bench press, every time he pushed the bar off his chest, he'd be like, fuck you, fuck you. (laughs) That's what he told me. Now, he was with a boyfriend and he was living at his boyfriend's house. Same area that I live in Toronto, not the same building. And I was coming back from getting groceries And I saw his partner and him walking down the street and I just said hi because I wasn't going to ignore him and they stopped and pretty sure Greg said something like, you know, can I, can I talk to you? And they both came up and the short version of that story is like, can we just get together and talk? And I found out that his, his boyfriend had said, you know, you've got to get over this. You're holding this anger. You're holding this resentment. 
whatever happened, it's done now. You know, we're together. You've moved on. Why can't you talk to this guy? And we bonded again and and we talked and we talked about what had happened and we opened up. And I'm trying to remember the exact timing of all of this, but literally this horrific thing that happened between my partner and I, this horrible blow up. And then it was decided we're breaking up and we had a two bedroom unit. So it's like, you move into the other bedroom. I'm not sleeping with you anymore. Get your shit out of here, you know, and we're going to find a different place to live. And this is, this is what was happening. A day or two after that happened, I I think it was the very next day, Greg calls me, my my former partner from Ottawa, and he says he's crying on the phone, and I can hear how he's shaking. I, I, I know him. I know what he was like when he gets upset. And he says, and I won't say his partner's name, he says, my boyfriend has locked me out of the house. I'm like, what the fuck? And he had nowhere to go because he didn't know enough people closely enough yet because he hadn't been living in Toronto long enough yet. And I said, let me find out what I can do. And I got in touch with my now ex-boyfriend who was living with me in the other bedroom. And I said, this is what's happening. Can Greg stay with us? So... That night, my ex-boyfriend that I had been living with moves back into my bed. My former boyfriend, who I lived with for five years in Ottawa, moves in temporarily (laughs) into the guest bedroom. And that afternoon, when Greg came over and he brought like his basic necessities because his partner had wrapped stuff up and put it in a couple bags and said, you know, Here's your basics, here's your clothes, whatever. We'll figure out when you can move your shit out of here. He came in with like a couple suitcases or whatever and bags of clothes. And then, so there are my two exes downstairs in the living room. And I said, I I have to go upstairs for a little while to be alone. And I went into the master bedroom and I closed the door behind me. And I think I just sat up in the bed thinking, what the fuck have I done? What the hell am I going to do? I've got two ex-boyfriends in here. This could either go well or this could be the worst nightmare ever. What if they gang up on me? What if they both make me feel like I'm a horrible person because I've broken up with both of them? (laughs) I think back to it. I'm like, oh my God, what a mess. Turned out to be the best thing that could have ever happened because Greg and I grew closer. Greg and I helped each other so profoundly through this experience. Um, I was kind of mediator and helped Greg move out of his um, partner's home. His his partner was just being really bizarre, and I kept Greg calm. And I remember going up and talking to his partner, saying. It's okay. If there's anything you want to tell him, you can tell me. I, you know, I tried to keep things calm and I helped then move Greg into his new one bedroom apartment. And, and Greg kept me on an even keel. He kept me from wanting to 
literally remove my most previous ex from the planet. Um, and then he, along with a couple of other friends, helped me move out of where I had been living uh, into my own unit. And that was that. That is the crazy story that leads me to the meaning behind all of this, which is there's something really profound and important to be said about the resilience of gay men and and gay male spirit and how we will, when push comes to shove, go out of our way to support each other in the times of greatest need. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that this is always perfect, you know, case in point, the the way in which, you know, uh, my partner and I were treating each other, but I'm talking about when you need support and that there is a bond with our chosen family that many LGBTQ people need and choose to support and foster that is often much stronger than one's biological family. And the reason is simple. Many Gay people have experienced rejection and shame for simply being who they are. They may have lost family members. They may have been kicked out. They may have lost friends. They may have lost a place to live because someone outed them or someone was prejudiced and homophobic. They may have lost their jobs. They may have been beat up or worse. But in these tough times, these moments of what seems like the greatest despair and loneliness, the only people, if you've been rejected by everyone else, who will fully, completely understand you and accept you for who you are, the best people you can turn to and lean on for support are your gay brethren. Those members of your gay family, your chosen family that you call your gay brother, your gay sister, your gay uncle, your gay dad, or whatever fun labels you give to them. And you see, when we do this, when we as gay people create our own families, the people we choose to say, this person, you are part of my family, we set an example for others. We set an example for humanity, for the status quo, that you can survive and thrive quite easily outside of traditional limits and norms and restrictions. You can create your own family. It's not so much that you're creating your own values. It just goes to show that as humans, we can have shared values and morals outside, outside of religion, outside of what's expected to us, and we can do the right thing, and we can love and support each other's when we most need it. And it's like what I've said in the very last line of, of my new book that I just released this week, Seven Beneath the Skin Thoughts for Gay Men to Love Their Body, is this, you can create your own ideals to live out the best of who you are. And with that, as always, thank you for listening. Live out live out the best of who you are and live proud.